Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Ever hear advice from someone and you think, but that doesn't fit my personality at all? How can I ever make that work? Bill Small hosts a podcast called The Subtle Art of Not Yelling, a show created to explore a different side of marketing. He's also a musician and a business coach. We discuss how his many endeavors all fit together, how to understand what areas you thrive in, and why having another set of eyes on your work can make a huge difference. If you like this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. That's one of the best ways to help the show grow, and I appreciate your support. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks so much for joining the podcast, Bill. It's great to talk with you. Uh, Thanks for having me, John. So now you're involved with a variety of things from music to coaching, but I wanted to start with something that we have in common, and that's podcasting. You co-host a show called The Art of Not Yelling, which I just think is a great uh, show name. Can you share with us where the idea for your podcast came from? Well, you know, it kind of came out of uh, my podcast partner, who's named Miles Hansen. We met about a year ago. Uh, We had a mutual friend. We started talking and I called him to maybe get some help with marketing because at the time he was definitely calling himself a marketer. He might be changing that now. But we spent about 90 minutes on the phone uh, bashing all things marketing. You know, all of the kind of bro marketing, very loud, masculine techniques that they do work for some people, but they don't work for everybody. And actually, I think they work for a smaller percentage of people than it gets uh, than than it gets sold as, if you know what I mean. And uh, we had a great conversation. We ended up doing some work together. And uh, one day, I said, you know, I've been thinking about uh, doing a podcast. I've been doing some rooms on Clubhouse at that time. And I found that for me, talking is the easiest way to create content. I'm pretty good at that. And uh, and he said, well, I'm thinking of doing one too. So uh, that's where it started. And our idea is that, look, you can build a business, you can grow a business, you can be a creative and get your work out in the world without having to be the loudest person on the block, without having to be the super high performer or jump up and down and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah. And I think that's something that I know I resonate with, and I'm sure other people do too, where like you're saying, not everyone has a personality that puts them in the camp of the marketing that you might typically think of. But there's just so many different avenues to go that I love this idea of trying to think of it from a different angle that people don't necessarily think of immediately when they think of marketing. And a lot of times when you take, uh, you know, there's a lot of courses out there let's say, you know, and a lot of people selling you courses on 
uh, how to make money with your music or your book or your coaching or your whatever. And even if you had the kind of personality where you could dive in during the course of that program and maybe get some results, oftentimes it's not sustainable. It's not something you can keep doing for a long period of time. Yeah. Whereas if you're being yourself and doing something that connects with how you are as a person, that is sustainable because it's, you know, like you said, uh, you like to, an easy way for you to create content is by talking and doing a podcast. And so you're connecting with something that is more natural for you than something that would be effective for a couple of times. But if you can't sustain it, then what's the point? Exactly right. Yeah. I would imagine if people tune into the show, they can get a much clearer idea of all of these topics and different angles that you take on this concept. But what would you say some of the, I guess, most helpful techniques that you've seen are? Is it a matter of kind of looking inward and figuring out what works for yourself? Or is there a set of questions that you find helpful for people to ask when figuring out how to get the word out there about what they do? It might be a two-part answer. One, I know that we have a really interesting collection of guests. A lot of, because of, you know, the other half of my life in music, we get a lot of musicians and creators. We get some marketers. We get all kinds of folks who all have something to put out in the world. And so I think when it comes to putting things out, it really is about being able to find something that feels good. I mean, ultimately, what is marketing? To me, and I think the way Miles and I like to talk about it, you're creating relationships. Everybody on my email list, I've probably either met or at least had some kind of interaction with. And while it may grow past that, the whole idea is for me to be able to relate with those people and for them to have some kind of relationship with me. And when I look at it that way, It's no different than if I was out in the world and I was at a party or a networking event or somebody introduced me to a friend and that becomes somebody who's part of my circle all of a sudden. We have a relationship. It's the same thing. And I didn't used to think of it that way. I used to think of it more as like, I need to have an ad for this pair of shoes that I'm selling, even though I wasn't selling shoes, Um, instead of I'm building relationships with people. And I have to find the things I can do. So for me, it might be talking for somebody else. It might be writing, you know, maybe uh, long form or short form uh, content. Maybe for somebody else, it's making videos. Miles loves to make reels and videos. He's really good at that. That's not my thing. I could do it, but I'd give up after a while because it just isn't that fun. So what, what can I do sustainably for maybe years to come that'll keep Uh, putting me in front of new people and strengthening the relationships that I already have out there in the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. And again, I like how you relate it to the fact that you're creating a relationship with the people that you're trying to reach. Because even if you're taking the loud yelling approach to marketing, it that's still part of the essential concept, right? Because in, in that case, you are you know, making your pitch to relate to someone's need, right? Like no matter what the volume is on someone's <laughs> marketing voice, yeah. so to speak, you, you, the effectiveness is still 
figuring out a way to relate to them and filling a need that they want, whether that be to listen to great music or to read a great story or to have shoes that don't give them blisters when they're running, you know, whatever (laughs) it might be. Yeah, you bet. You know, the, the way you go about it doesn't necessarily need to be the same. Again, going back to that difference in the volume, in some ways, it's more uh, personal to be able to reach someone in a way where you're treating them like they're your friend because maybe they are your friend. Or, you know, if you run a small business, it everything does feel like that. It's different than if you're having some sort of multi-million dollar company. If you're Nike selling shoes, your approach is just going to be different. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when when you take marketing courses, uh, they're developed by marketers who are marketing marketing. They're selling marketing to other marketers. And that's a that's a very specific thing. And it's different than someone who is at home writing a book or at home making songs or at home um, coaching people or doing whatever it is they do. And it you can't sell it the same way. And, and there's also all that stuff of when you, uh, when you write something or you make a new song or whatever, there's other things you have to deal with personally just to be able to ship that work, to put that work out in the world. It, it can feel really vulnerable. And I think you have to respect that too and find the ways that feel good to release those things into the world. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk specifically about your music. So you talk about the different vulnerability that you might have to have when writing a song or creating a piece of art. Where do you start with when you're creating a song or even a full album? Mm. For me, if I'm (laughs) back in the days when I created albums, which I feel like I can't do anymore, uh, the last time I went to make a record, I basically just announced I'm going to make a record. And I did a Kickstarter campaign for it. And I booked dates at the studio. And then I looked and said, do I have enough songs to do this? And the answer was no, I don't. (laughs) And that in itself is a great catalyst for me. I tend to need a deadline or some kind of a box. Like it's interesting that we're talking today because I have a writing partner who lives outside of Detroit and he is in town today and tomorrow. And a lot of times I wait until he shows up. He shows up and we have this dedicated time and he's got ideas and maybe I have some stuff and, you know, this is when we're going to work. So I'll do it. I've come to the point where I, I need usually with, with music creation, some kind of a box. Either I have a studio date or a show or a writing appointment or something. And that will get me to produce something. I'm not sure it's the best way to do things. I have a good friend uh, who is one of the most prolific creators I know. And he really, like, he's one of those people that shows up to write regularly. If not every day, it's pretty darn close. Uh, And, you know, he may not get anything every day, but he shows up for it every day. And that is not something I have that, that I think necessarily works for me. I do try it from time to time, but, uh, you got to build some kind of a box, whether that's showing up every day or creating opportunities and deadlines that you have to show up for. Uh, 
Yeah. It's interesting that you put it like that because especially recently I've been trying to increase the level of my productivity writing, which is kind of a funny circumstance because you want to do it in a way where you're still having the kind of creative spirit. You know, you don't want to, you, you don't want it to feel like you're just creating fake words that aren't meaningful. You want to have an art to it. But sometimes it starts with words that aren't necessarily beautiful. And then yeah. that gets you in the process of it, right? Yeah. And so it's funny that you mention having the deadline helps too, because what I found is thinking about all of the projects that I want to accomplish and doing the math about how long the average person lives and then seeing that, oh, wait a second, I'm writing far too slow. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I need to change some things. So so I think that really, for me, also works as uh, some sort of motivation. But then it's interesting to me that you separate it out because I'm finding that there's kind of a putting it together. It's like, well, I better show up and create the time and wake up earlier and be actively producing so that I can create more. And and I've found that as I start to play around with those changes, I was inspired to move up some deadlines that I have. And I thought, okay, well, I really can do this. It's it's going well when I'm pushing myself. And especially recently, again, you said it's funny that we're talking on a particular day for you. It's funny that this is coming up for me now because I've found that having that deadline does spark this extra motivation, I guess, to be doing some of the other things that I know I should be doing. But some days I have the, the apparent excuse to just put it off another day or something like that, sure. which turns into months and years, you know? And it's always interesting to me how it changes over time. When I was in, in my 20s, I probably had some silly day job and I was at night I was either playing shows or was at a rehearsal. And when I wasn't doing that, I was sitting in my room bored. So I'd pick up the guitar and I'd write songs. You know, you fast forward 30 years and there's a lot more going on and a lot less time for me to sit around. Well, I, I'd rarely sit around being bored uh, enough to just pick up the guitar and write songs. So I have to have some kind of box, some kind of structure to keep me creating. Otherwise, I just won't do it, which is kind of sad, but... I think that's just how it goes. You ha you have to make some kind of habit, some kind of something in there. And it's going to change over time, given whatever else is going on with your life. And when things change, how do you look to keep some sort of consistency? Or do you try to just find kind of a new normal for how to go about your creative process? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. So I take... I try to take a really long view of consistency. Oftentimes when we think of consistency or my least favorite word, discipline, we're thinking about like daily, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this every day or I'm going to do this every day, five days a week or whatever it is. And I think sometimes for some people, that's actually easy. You know, they, they can really drop into that. That's never been easy for me. It's not natural. And I will go through periods of time where uh, I'm consistent like that and other periods of time where it may drop to whatever I'm talking about, whether it's writing or even sometimes my meditation practice, though I hate to admit that, and 
you know, or, or playing music or practicing guitar or whatever it is, those things might drop back to once a week or twice a week or what have you. But if you look at it over time, it really is consistent. And I can see the progression over time of all of those things. If I actually look, I actually took on a, a daily writing habit at the beginning of this year, which I had never really done. Just 30 minutes of writing and writing for no purpose except to write. Just to keep developing my voice and finding my voice in writing. And, and it goes a lot of different directions. And for the first two months, I was super daily consistent and I've been a little on and off lately. And even if I stay on and off, when I look back at the end of the year, I will have written a whole lot more than I would have otherwise. I will have taken ground in that in a way that I didn't. So I try to take a long view of consistency. And when things change, I do think you have to be able to remember what's important to you, what's your vision, where you're headed, and keep those things in place while being flexible that you know you need to keep in place. You mentioned discipline being something that you are less excited about than consistency. Yeah. And I it's, like this is, word. okay. So it's, it's the word or the, like, do you view that as you talk about consistency here as something that's uh, over a long period of time is mm-hmm. discipline to you more of a daily thing. And then yes. that's okay. So that's, what's maybe different about your approach and that you would view something as again, this is super interesting to me because I've been trying to change up some of my habits to have a more daily routine about everything. Uh, whereas it seems that you've found what works for you is in terms of maybe looking at something over the course of a week or a month mm-hmm. and finding the consistency there. And in, I guess in a way it's almost just a difference in interpretation of your time. Because if you, like someone could look at, you know, every hour they do a certain sort of practice, you know, whether it's some sort of fitness thing or, or something that's, that they feel they need to do every hour or maybe a couple times a day. Right. But someone could look at that and say, well, I'm not going to, you know, do a little jog at my desk every hour, but I am going to jog for 30 minutes a day or something like that. Or someone says, I'm going to do it three times a week. And I guess the important part is that you're figuring out a way to exercise that you're able to continue on doing, not something that you get burnt out of. Right. I wonder if there's if that's some of what the the difference in thinking is. or And again, I hate to say difference in thinking because I feel like it's, when I hear what you're saying, it's it's almost identical, but then it's just a matter of the, the, the timeline feels different. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a, um, an element of being kind to myself while still doing what I'm committed to doing. Oftentimes what people do when they go to develop a new habit and say, okay, I'm going to write every day or I'm going to meditate every day or I'm going to whatever, play my guitar for 15 minutes every day or I'm going to go to the gym every day. Eventually something's going to happen. You know that, right? Because stuff happens and you're going to miss a day. You're going to get sick or, you know, your kid's going to get sick and you can't get there or uh, something's going to happen, 
right? And then oftentimes that, that one day miss turns into two days or the rest of the week. And then your brain, which is not your friend, starts telling you things like, well, what's the point? Why do you, why should you even go back? You already screwed it up. You're not doing it every day anymore. You're you loser. You already lost. You know, what are you doing? And then you never go back. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I went through this big time as I was developing a meditation habit, something that I always wanted to do. And I was very on and off with it. And, you know, one day I just said, look, I'm, I'm doing this. And I went through the, the exact thing I just described. I'd be great for, you know, two or three weeks and then something would happen and I would miss a day and I would hear my brain just beating me up like, well, that's it. You ruined it. You're done. Why even do it tomorrow? There's no point. Today, nah, don't do that. Uh, and the thing is, if my commitment was five days a week and you take, you just take a month, let's say, and let's say the first two weeks of the month, I'm really great and I did all five days and then the next two weeks of the month, I only did two days or one day. Well, that's still a thousand percent more than I did the month before where I didn't do it at all. And I'm moving the needle. I'm doing, I, I, I'm doing something different. I am developing a habit. It just might not look like you think it's supposed to look. Exactly. Yeah. I, I definitely track with what you're saying here. And I feel like this is there's something in here that's a good transition, or maybe we are, are transitioning to this business coach aspect that you do too. Am I right in thinking that some of these almost like skills that you're talking about, like like developing the skill of being able to stop yourself from, if you, if you miss a day, totally destroying yourself over it. And again, like, so business coach, what types of clients are you working with, with this business? Yeah, I predominantly work with um, small business owners, which might be one person or it might be somebody with a, a few employees, a small team, and across lots of different industries, doctors, lawyers, musicians, artists, uh, lots of things in between. But the great thing that you're pointing to is that the only thing that gets in our way, the only thing that stops us is us. It's the only thing that's ever stopped me from doing anything I want to do is me. But it's really hard to see how you get in your own way. And that's the first place I start with any client. And, you know, when you talk about coaching, some people are like, well, what is that? You know, I don't really even know what that is. And, and I always relate it to when I was on swim team as a kid. You know, here I am, I'm 12 years old, I'm in the pool and there's a goal, right? The goal is to go as fast as you can and go faster than the guy in the lane next to you. But I can't see what I look like when I swim. I can't see what my body's doing. I can feel it, but I can't see it. And the coach can walk along the side of the pool and tell me, hey, your right arm is coming too high out of the water. So you need to change that and make it do this instead. Or when you come out of your turn, you're waiting too long to start kicking. You got to kick sooner. And those little things make you go faster. And it's really the same thing in, well, in life <laughs> and certainly in business. There'll be these small things that are in the way that you don't even know are there. And once you can see them, you can change them and produce different results. Yeah, and I can see how helpful that would be kind of on this macro business level because I right now for one of my novels, I'm working with an editor and 
she's been incredibly helpful. You know, some things it's like, oh yeah, I, I saw that critique coming. <laughs> you know, it's like, like <laughs> yeah. there's certain things that, you know, you have to be pretty blind to see a couple of your, you know, to not see any of your own flaws. But, um, but you know, you talking about these blind spots, you really do need an outside opinion. And sometimes that's, you know, for writing a, a friend, reading your work can provide that in some way, but having a professional who's trained in spotting these things. So again, for me working with the editor, she's been able to uncover different patterns that I sometimes am somewhat aware of, but don't realize how deep it goes and don't realize how maybe simple it is to actually fix versus, you know, having the mindset of, well, that's just the way I write or something like that. And so having someone professionally look at my work like an editor, that's been such a value to my writing. And so hearing you explain that concept, but on a, again, more macro level with a full business, it's to me so clear about how that would be helpful to someone who was looking to improve what they do on a daily basis. Yeah. And I love what you said about sometimes the critiques are not a surprise. So oftentimes, sometimes we can see how we're getting in our way. We just can't figure out how to do anything about it. Uh, and even if we could figure out maybe an idea about what to do about it, have you ever, well, and we're talking about that habit thing again. So have you ever promised yourself, hey, I'm going to do this every day or I'm going to stop, uh, you know, writing this way, but you keep doing it anyway <laughs> or sure, you don't yeah. do what you said. And there's a lot of power in the accountability of having someone else. So your editor says, hey, make these changes. Well, you know that when you send something back, she expects those changes to be made. So you're probably going to do that. As opposed to if you only promised yourself that, well, you might do it, but you might not. Yeah. Um, so I think accountability is huge. And the other thing about business owners, and I think this is true of writers and creatives, uh, all of us as well, is having a trusted advisor is more important than we give it credit for. If you're running a business, you have a lot of things to deal with. It's not easy. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things to work out. And you might have an easy week or an easy couple of months, but there's always things coming up. Who do you work those things out with? You can't bring it home. It's not really fair to your partner or your spouse. Uh, you don't want to talk to your employees. You'll freak them out if they knew the stuff you were dealing with. So having someone who is committed to your success and committed to your business doing well, but doesn't actually own a piece of your business can be really, really helpful. Now, you do all these things with the business coaching, the the music, the podcast. We've touched on all of these things. That's a pretty diverse set of stuff. And so you might have a different answer for each of these individually, but what do you find so satisfying about your work and why do you like to do these different things? Uh, why do you enjoy doing the podcast? Like why split your time between these different things rather than just go all in on the business coach or all in on the songwriting? Why do you like doing all of these sorts of things? What do you find satisfying about each of them? Well, I'm easily bored. <laughs> And to some extent, I'm really not kidding. Uh, 
you know, even in music, when, when, when that's all I did, when I didn't have any other job that wasn't outside of music, I still found the need to be involved in different things. So if I was playing solo by myself, I was always dreaming of playing in a band. And when I was only playing in a band, I couldn't wait to have a solo gig. I always wanted to keep it diverse in that way. So there is a little bit of that. I just like being up to different things. But there's there's something that connects all three things that I'm into right now, whether it's podcasting or even being a guest on podcasts like this, whether it's performing and recording music, whether it's coaching people or any of the things that go around that. And it's connection. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is that inside of all of those activities, I get the opportunity to connect with people in a meaningful way, in a way that's meaningful to me, and hopefully in a way that's meaningful to them. To have conversations that make a difference, uh, to have experiences with people that make a difference. I mean, when you're on stage, when I'm on stage and I'm playing and singing, the whole point is con- is to connect to whoever's listening. And when you do that, you can feel it. There's an energy exchange happening. As a coach, the only reason I learned how to coach people, I mean, I, I kind of learned it by accident because I was on my own personal development journey. I was developing myself, learning about myself, always wanting to learn and grow and be better. And I get as much out of my conversations with my clients as they do. Maybe more sometimes. I don't know. You know, I'm not them, so I can't say. But it's great for me. It keeps me on the path. It keeps me having the kind of conversations that make me better and that kind of force me to keep being better and to keep striving to grow. Well, great, Bill. I've really appreciated your insights, uh, both on that and everything throughout this discussion. For people who want to explore your work further, hear your music, learn more about how to reach out to you if they're looking for a business coach or want to listen to your podcast, what are all the different ways that people can find you online and connect with you? Well, the easiest thing to do is just go to my website, which is artistmind.co, artistmind.co. Or if you're an Instagram person, you can uh, find me um, at mindartcoach and you can find everything that way. I have some, on the coaching side, I do have some free courses you can find on the website. It also links you to my music page and all this stuff. Well, good. And we'll have links to that all in the show notes as well. Thanks again, Bill. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. John, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can find links to everything Bill does at artistmind.co. If Bill's message of finding connections resonated with you, check out episode 20 with pianist Jeff Dershin. 
We discuss more about this idea of finding connections to your audience, and I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. And if you'd like to change it up a bit, try episode 32 with Leonard Robinson. He's an animation director who has worked on some of your childhood favorites, including Animaniacs and the Tigger movie. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider helping the show grow by sharing your favorite episode with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's j-o-n at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.